0: Welcome to the Living Boldly podcast. This is Annelle, your host. Join me once a month as I interview a phenomenal woman from the I Am Bold, I Rise campaign, where she will be sharing her story of overcoming adversity and giving you tips on how to live your life boldly. Thank you for joining our October podcast. This month's feature on the I Am Bold, I Rise campaign is Kelsey B. Arellanos. Kelsey is a Mexican-American bilingual clinical psychotherapist in the San Diego County. Kelsey is a first-generation college graduate with a master's in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University. Kelsey currently practices with a range of therapeutic techniques for a chief medical center in East Lake, Chula Vista. She works with individuals, couples, children, adolescents, and their families with different types of mental health, emotional, and adjustment issues. Most of her patients are from the local neighborhoods, which mainly consist of the Latinx and military community. Kelsey is very passionate about what she does and puts her hearts in all the projects and roles she plays as a therapist, speaker, facilitator, advocate, entrepreneur, clothing line, writer, and self-published author, along with the host and founder of Acá Entrenos. Let's welcome Kelsey. Welcome again everyone to my October episode. This month, as you heard, we have the host of Acá Entre Nos podcast, Kelsey Marias. But if you have her on social media, she's under KB Arriano and if she wants, you could explain why. Um, but welcome Kelsey and thank you for being here.
1: Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi everyone who's listening so my name my legal name (laughs) is kelsey buddy yes um but i use my mom's uh, maiden name for many reasons so eventually one day i plan to switch it um she's who raised me she's she was a single mom so i don't really have much an attachment to my legal name legal last name but um off Offline, we were talking about it and I was telling her that it's so expensive to change your name. So I was like, I'm just going to wait till I get married someday and then change it for free. Um, I also use the name online as well, because as a psychotherapist to just kind of hope that my patients don't go lurking and looking for me on social media. (laughs) So that's also why. But they're both my last names in my heart, I guess.
0: Yes, and they're both amazing. Uh, Kelsey has been, how long have you been a psychotherapist now?
1: Um, Including my internship, about three years. I graduated, but I, so I graduated, I finished all my coursework December of 2018, walked May of 2019 um I just met my 3,000 hour requirement I'm waiting for the approval yes as you know you know it's a hassle to get through that so I'm just waiting for the approval of all my paperwork and then I'm going to study and take my test for my licensing exam and um I do plan to go back for my doctorate in 2021.
0: Okay so you will be Dr. Barrias or Dr. Arellano? <laughs>
1: Dr. Arellano. If I'm not married by then, I'm paying for the switch. <laughs> <laughs> nice,
0: nice. Well, we will see. I cannot wait to see that doctorate. It's going to look nice on you, girl.
1: Thank you. But Thank you.
0: Yeah, so welcome. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've actually been on her podcast. And when we met, um, it was so funny because like, I don't even know, I was really busy and you came up to me and you were like trying to talk to me. I was trying not to be rude. Um, but I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go on your podcast, give your, your business card. And then, you know, months later we followed up and ever since then, um, you know, I, I followed your journey and I just love what you created with Acá Um, you know, so if you want to share with us a little bit about why you created your podcast and, um, how they could find your podcast, uh, with the audience.
1: Yes. Yes. So first of all, how I met her, (laughs) she was so busy. Um, I knew that you were like, that was your main event, But I was like, okay, well, I'll try to reach to her at the end of the event. But obviously, at the end of every event, there's still a bunch of things you have to do. (laughs) And so I was like, how do I like introduce myself, give her my business card and just like tell her that seeing her up there speak just was really inspiring. And I just I felt your energy and like what you brought to a table. And that's what I wanted, you know, um. So Acá Entre Nos is literally what it sounds like. So I created this podcast. Um, I had the original idea in undergrad. Um, I wanted to do a YouTube channel, but believe it or not, as much as I can talk, I am a little camera shy. (laughs) I felt like a YouTube channel video wasn't going to be for me. Um, So then I started looking into a podcast. I've been wanting to start it forever and no me aventaba like I didn't I wasn't willing to like throw myself out to getting it started mm. and then finally I thought well what if I do it with someone else so I invited an old classmate and I guess now a colleague she's also a psychotherapist uh Don Marie Luna to do it with me and we started the journey together but um she had a bunch of like her other projects going on and things that she was doing so I felt and you know, we talked it out and we decided for me to continue by myself. And I'm so glad I haven't let it go. I'm at Mm. the end of season three and I truly enjoy it. Um, I chose the name of for two different reasons. So the re- the main reason of the title of Acá entre Nos is that in the Latino community, when we talk about our mental health issues, things we've been through, traumas, experiences, whatever it is that the family's going through, illnesses, um, addiction, things like that, we always say, mm-hmm. "Se queda acá entre Nos." We keep it yeah. here between us. You don't go telling people our business. It stays between the family. So that's actually where the title originated. But if you guys were wondering, I am a big fan of Vicente Fernandez. And so it ended <laughs> up being perfect. Because if you listen to my podcast, that's how my intro starts with a little bit of uh, instrumental of his song, which is less than like, I think 30 seconds because you can't steal aka from a song for more than 30 seconds because then you need to get permission from the artist um but it's just like a small intro the beginning of the of each episode but I did choose the title for that reason and then I started off by just wanting it to be more of a mental health like educational episode and then I thought, you know what, like, <clears throat> excuse me, our comunidad needs to hear people's stories, needs to hear people's voices. Um, and so that's when I inter- introduced the tell my story segment, which is the one that you were a part of. Um, and, you know, telling people stories if they wanted to come on the show and share what they're doing. And so I've had all kinds of people come in sharing traumas or things they've been through. I've had people just come in talking about their business or things like that. So it's a little bit of everything when it comes to a tell my story segment. And then I obviously do continue to have episodes where we talk about mental health. We actually have one releasing soon where we're talking a little bit about um, uh, being a parent to a teenager. And I have another mental health provider that works with teenagers coming on. And we talk a little bit about that and sharing like, um, you know, what it's like to be a parent to a teenager, how to detect mental health issues and things like that. So that's sort of where it started. And we started 2017, 18. um, And yeah, it's been going since then. It's hard to keep up when you work full time, but Mm -hmm. I'm slowly keeping up with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I could so relate with uh, keeping up with the podcast because even once a month, for me, sometimes I want to do more, but <laughs> once a month is good, and i I don't have like a scheduled date you know i it's kind of just free flowing, but I also love it. I love you know getting to hear from different women how they overcame what they overcame, and you know hearing the amazing things that they're doing in the community um, you know, and just going a little back, you know, thank you for your kind words. I always try to you know, really be present when people talk to me, you know, whether it's at an event, whether it's out in public, through social media. I actually have a really quick funny story. I was at the doctor a couple of days ago and the nurse was like, Oh, you're social media famous. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess she follows me on social media. So, you know, it's nice to have to see that you're <laughs> making an impact in places that you don't think you're making an impact. Um, yeah, you know, and and going back to your, uh, you know, your podcast, uh, you know, kudos to you for creating that, you know, for our Latino community um, because you know that I'm a big advocate for mental health as well, and you know we need many many more uh, people in our community speaking up. Um, so thank you for that. So we will go into. How everyone else starts with the definition of bold. What would you say is your definition of bold?
1: So my definition of bold would be someone who strives, someone who is willing to push and strive to overcome whatever it is that life throws at them, someone that's still willing to take a leap and jump, even when times have been hard, even when it's easy to say, okay, I quit, or I no longer want to do this, or I give up, um, that would, I think that's what bold would be to me. Like when life throws you obstacles and you're still willing to have that faith and hope or desire to continue to push forward
0: yes and I you know obviously know your personal story but I definitely you know added you in the campaign you know I am bold I rise because to me you are the definition of bold because you have you know despite what life has thrown at you like you said whatever obstacle life has thrown at you you know you You have risen and you have continued to push through it, even though many times I know you've wanted to quit. Um, You know, so I know you lost your mom at a young age and you had to step up in a big way. And that was a big obstacle that life threw at you. Um, You know, so if you could just share with us a little bit about that obstacle and how. At a very young age, you were able to overcome that huge obstacle
1: yes, yes so um as as anel said um i my mom died at i was twenty three years old when my mom passed away from lung cancer um and she fought for about two years or so um and I am the oldest of four, so when she passed away, um, my sister was 21, I want to say, twenty twenty-one around that age. Um, my bro- one of my brothers was 15, and then my youngest brother was 11, going to be 12, so right about to turn 12 years old. Um, and I was left to take care of my family. Um, as many of you know, if you come from Latino families or Black, Uh, African American families even you know Asian descent like family is a big 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 deal um and so that's I knew that it was my place and my job to um step up a few years before my mom passed away um My stepdad, which I guess you could say I consider my dad um, because he raised us, was deported. Um, And so Mm. after he was deported, my mom was left to be a single mom again of four. Um, And so one of my options or one of the options were to have my brothers move in with their dad. But that would mean that they would have to be... um, technically shipped off to Michoacan, Mexico, uh, where they would have to live. And then um, the other option was to separate all of us. And so separating separating us didn't look like uh, going to our aunts or uncles that was 10, 20 minutes away. It was like an aunt or an uncle that was willing to help me take them. But they lived either in Texas, Arizona, or just a whole other state. Um,
0: wow.
1: Or again, Mexico was a big option. And so I didn't have family. I have one uncle that's in Pomona. So he was like 30 minutes away from us, but he didn't have space or even could take on the responsibility. Mm. So I had to step it up. And it was one of the most scariest thing I've ever been through. Um It was intimidating at first to know that I had to take on life without my best friend I was very very close to my mom I had a very close relationship with her as the oldest she leaned on me a lot and um just kind of dependent on me I guess in a way both emotionally and financially so I was losing her and then I had to take on technically her responsibility because they were her children um I also was in a relationship for almost five years where that person um, had asked my dying mom for my hand in marriage, Um, but he ended up, uh, I guess you could say, backing out after my mom passed, Uh, and from what I knew, there was some, like, infidelity and stuff going on, but long story short, he walked out. Uh, for now, I understand him for probably the reason that the idea of me raising two teenagers was not the kind of life that a 23 year old was looking to have with another 23 year old. Um, So I was kind of left to do it on my own. And it was tough. It was uh, scary. There was so many times I wanted to give up or felt like there was just no way that I can handle it. But I took it on and I did it and I don't want to say I did a perfect job at it because uh, there was so many obstacles through the journey. There was so many things that my brothers and I dealt with or things that I might have not done the right way or maybe I wasn't listening enough to them or maybe I wasn't available enough for them sometimes, but um but I did the best I could. Like any parent, I guess, could say I did the best I could. And even though the youngest is now 18, um, and I'm living on my own, he's living with my sister actually. Um, but we're still close. We try to be there dysfunctional, but as close as we can be, we try to be there for each other. And, um, and yeah, that's that That was the biggest obstacle, but I overcame it. I was working two, three jobs while raising these boys, got myself through school, uh, got into a master's program at Pepperdine University, and then I, put, I finished.
0: Girl, that is a lot. I think <laughs> oof, just being a parent, you know, with one child, you know, at a time, it's difficult, Um, you know, but being a parent at 23 to like, teenagers, almost an adult also, um, you know, I can't even imagine and then, you know, you managing that plus school and, and that's just amazing, girl, like you, you told you truly are the definition of bold, you know, you just took life. By its horns, and we're like, vamonos.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a option.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, so I love it. I love, um, you know, hearing stories like these because it really just shows that when, you, you know, obviously, like you had a family that loved each other and you chose family, and, and you know, when you just, decided I'm gonna do this I don't know how I don't know what it's gonna look like um, but you learned along the way and I'm sure you made a lot of mistakes along the way but here you are now with a master's degree almost freaking gonna be doctorates. I can't wait to see that happen <laughs> <Thank> um, <you. laughs> but yeah like that's just an amazing you know journey and I hear a lot of people complaining you know like getting their bachelor's or their master's and here you are yeah that's that's big that's that's huge and I'm sure you know not a lot of people are you the first in your family
1: yeah so I'm first generation um my mom was an immigrant my biological dad was born um here if I'm not mistaken but I don't have much contact with him so I can't confirm that information my stepdad was also an immigrant um from Mexico um and yeah I'm first generation to go to college first generation to get a master's degree if I'm not mistaken my biological father might have a college degree but again I I can't confirm that my mom says he went to college but she doesn't know like if he has an AA or a BA or whatever it was. Um, so I don't have much knowledge based off of that, but from what I know from my immediate family and who I was raised with, um, I am first generation and it it was tough. You know, um, one thing that my mom actually made me promise was that I would go back to school passed away. She's like, no sé cómo lo vas a hacer. I don't know how you're going to do it. I I don't know how long it's going to take you, but you have to get your degree, Kelsey, because you're my one kid that loves school and she loves to read. I was just always such a super nerd. And I felt that I had to kind of choose between getting a degree or, you know, working and raising them. And my mom literally like right before she passed was like you can do both like even if you take one class at a time you can do both so I made that promise and I kept it I went back to school literally right after she died like a few months later I started Um, I started at Dominguez Hills to finish my bachelor's because um, I had originally started at Northridge right out of high school and I finished and then um as you know sometimes Latinos Mexicans they don't really understand like the meaning behind the importance of school so my yeah. family my aunts and uncles had this idea that I was just going to like stop there and so when I told people that I was going to grad school I did get a little bit of a negative feedback sort of like that I should wait or that I should get a job with already that you know my family and I were going to struggle that the boys weren't going to have me available all the time. And like, what was I doing? I even at one point had an aunt tell me that I was being kind of selfish for going for my master's. Wow. Um, because I think they're just, you know, they don't understand they have that like, mentality, de rancho, as some of us like to say, <laughs> and that's where they grew up. And they saw it as like, you need to work, you need to work, to like feed your brothers and I'm like I'm feeding them we we have a roof over our head we're fine yeah we're living paycheck mm-hmm. to paycheck and we're struggling but I promise you guys that me getting this degree is for my family's own good like something yeah. that you guys might not understand cuz I mean as you know there's not much we can do with a bachelor's in sociology or psychology yeah. we can't really <laughs> get anywhere with it yeah. so they didn't understand that part um one of my aunts was like, well, I know someone's kid that's, she's a social worker with the bachelors. I'm like, yeah, but you have to try to get into or the BCSS. county, <laughs> and it takes forever. Oh, no. Exactly. So they didn't really get that part, but I pushed through. I talked to my brothers, which were the obviously the important ones, and I said, hey, guys, I got to continue, um, and they they knew, like, sometimes I would get home, cook a quick dinner, after work and be like, okay, I'm out, lock the doors, don't let no one in, be careful, call me, I'm going to class. So it was literally like that. And um, sometimes I would call them, hey, I'm not going to come home, but I'll order you a pizza or make a PB&J, something, I'll bring you food after class, even Mm -hmm. if it's late. And they worked with me. Um, I do, I have to say I wasn't home as much. So there was Little things that happen, like the 15 year old would get in trouble or sneak out or things like that, where I was like, dang it, like, it's hard to do this on my own, but I needed needed to finish and get that degree. Um, And so I did, I pushed through and, and it was tough. Um, Towards the end of my master's program, I was working Five days a week raising these finishing boys I had my internship Saturdays and Sundays. No days off for almost a year oh, and a wow. half, and I was so tired all the time. I was actually looking at an old picture that I like took. I don't know why. I think I was like like trying to look at my face and took like a picture with no makeup. Ojeras tan grandes underneath my eyes, and I was like, "Oh my god, I look like a dead zombie walking," and I. I'm really into like skincare and stuff. So I was like, I for sure wasn't taking care of my skin (laughs) at all there. I was probably never drinking water, but it was, I had just had to push. And I just, every time I felt tired or wanted to give up, I would tell myself like, it's temporary. It's your temporary journey. It's going to get you to a place where you're going to be good. And now I live on my own. Everyone's kind of taking care of themselves, but financially I could do things for my family I can you know if my sister's struggling or if someone needs something I can offer it and I can afford my own place I can afford my all my bills without looking at my account and thinking how the hell am I going to pay for this other bill how am I going to make enough money to pay and cover that and that was my struggle and it was honestly our struggle for a long time after my stepdad um was deported, so it feels so good. I know I'm nowhere near where I wanna be, but it feels so good to be stable and to just be in a good place now. And I know that it's I can genuinely say it's the hard work and all the time I put in for sure.
0: Yeah. Girl, kudos for that. Cause I know, oh, you know, being going back to school, even me like as an adult, you know, with kids, it's 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 just a lot that you have to manage. I think I tell my kids, you know, if you're going to go to school, go to school young (laughs) when you don't have kids, you know, because it's once you start adding more responsibilities of adulting, you know, school doesn't get any easier. So, you know, I'm I'm glad you were able to finish that. And, you know, being a great example for your brothers and sisters, I'm sure, you know, they have an amazing old older sister that they look up to, and I'm sure many are going to follow um, in your footsteps. Um, I did hear you say, you know, that you would talk to yourself, you know, telling yourself like, this is temporary. Um, you know, you're only going to do this for a short amount of time. Um, what are other things that you would say you did that helped you get through the difficult moments? So,
1: um, I, and I still do this till this very day, my mom was a very um, consejera. I think in another life or in, th- in this life, but maybe just didn't get the opportunity to, my mom was actually meant to do what I'm doing for a living. I really do. She was just very good with um, providing feedback to people. Her friends would come to her, sometimes a little too much, like with their problems or marital issues and things like that but she was a person you can talk to my friends my some of my own friends can tell would tell you that they would go to my mom and talk to her about things I have cousins I have you know relatives friends that told my mom some of their biggest um, secrets before they even told their own parents or something like that, just to kind of get her feedback. She was very um, unbiased. She wasn't judgmental. She would just listen to you and then she would give you advice. So one of the biggest things that I still use to this very day is what would my mom say to me? And how would my mom get me through? Um, And it's I I am super superstitious sometimes, but sometimes I feel like she shows me like signs or kind of gives me the answer I would look forward to get me through making a certain decision and things like that. So um, that's kind of what got me through. I'm also faith oriented, a lot of praying. Um especially when times were hard dealing with my trouble little teenage brother the mm. older one the little one um was actually diagnosed with epilepsy also very young so i mm. went through a lot of doctor's appointments and trying to figure out what the uh illness even was cuz i had no idea like apparently it runs on my mother's side of the family but distant like no one recent has been diagnosed with that so we didn't really know what the heck was happening and so um so many times I just had, you know, tough nights and I just prayed and prayed and talked to my mom, talked to God and just wanted, you know, guidance. And I feel like that's kind of what got me through. Um, But again, I feel like I always allowed myself to go there and think of my mom and like, you know, my mom just being the strong independent single mom immigrant that she was and all of the stories that she got to share with me before she went um were my strength and I did it for her I did it for my siblings and I allowed to continue to remind myself that whenever um times were rough but I had so many nights I cried I had so many nights I drove crying and I just couldn't anymore um I my own depression after she passed away where I did go see a therapist for about two years actually um, just to kind of help me get through my own mental health issues and dealing with this new role of being a parent Um, so I learned how to cope through sitting in the chair that now my patients sit I learned you know many different ways to deal with my own anxiety that apparently had since childhood but I never really learned how to cope with and deal with and just little little tricks and little to learn like that that kind of got me through,
0: yeah, that's amazing, so it sounds like you your mom was a natural psychotherapist, and <laughs> you followed in your mom's footsteps,
1: <laughs> yeah, so actually, and I told my mom what I was majoring in um she. She was like, I, yo siempre quería ayudar a la gente. Like I always thought I was gonna do something like that, like either a counselor or like a teacher or or like a like a, a you know a counselor like at the church. Alguien que um, les habla con con las personas que vienen en la iglesia o algo así because my grandma if um was like in catechism like a catechism teacher and like was really involved in the church so my mom was like I always thought I was do gonna do something like that um but obviously that wasn't her her um destiny like she migrated here and like every other immigrant had you know just cleaning jobs and things like that she was um in child care as well she worked at a preschool and so she loved kids and did a little bit about I guess you could say play therapy and working with kids and stuff like that but yeah she was always a great listener and she listened to everyone's problems me and my siblings called her um la taxista because she was always driving her (laughs) friends around that didn't have cars and she's like ya me voy voy a coger a linda que quiere que la lleve a la marqueta and I'm like mom like when I was young you know I would just be like why does she do all this stuff for people like they don't pay her I am pretty sure they don't give her much like there are people that also like us don't have much like why is she constantly like driving herself crazy to help others but I think it was just in her like to want to help people and it was just who she was and that's definitely who I am too so I guess it's just passed on through us
0: yeah yeah yeah, I I believe, you know, we all get in this profession because we have just this innate desire to want to help. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could relate because my dad is very similar. My dad's a minister, actually. Um, so he does, growing up, he just, you know, wanted to help everybody. If he could bring in the homeless to our house, he probably would if it wasn't. <laughs> For my mom. Um, But yeah, I think I'm very much my father's daughter and you're very much your mother's daughter, Um, you know, but I love it. I wouldn't change it um, for anything, but I'm nowhere near getting my 3000 hours. So I'm a little jealous, but I'll get there. You'll
1: get there. (laughs) Yes, you will for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, what would you say is the biggest, like, what brings you happiness in this work? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. So,
1: again, I, I do think it's my life purpose to do this. Like, I can't mm-hmm. see myself doing any other job. Um, I. I made it one of my goals in 2020, um, to, to do like, uh, public speaking, um, and uh, mediate like groups and things like that, especially once I get licensed, um, and hopefully go into like my own either practice or doing like my own thing. And I definitely would want to get out there a little more, but, um, I think what brings me happiness is knowing that I'm making a difference in other people's lives. So aside from therapy um, and being a psychotherapist, as you know, I'm a writer. I write quotes. I written a book as well, published that. Um, I like. To volunteer a lot, actually, like I don't mind spending my weekends volunteering. I've worked with like a few organizations, both here in the U.S. and in Tijuana, um, and so it's. It, I just feel like it's my sole purpose to um, to help and to heal and to make a difference. Um, another thing I would say inspires me a lot is the fact that I'm first generation Latina with a pretty goddamn loud voice. Um And I am a big believer that I'm here to advocate for my people, for Speak Up for my mom who's now deceased, for Speak Up for any other immigrant or um, Latino who doesn't have the opportunity to speak up and say things or maybe can't really express themselves because of the language barrier. Um, And I am bilingual. So a lot of my patients are also Spanish speaking. So I went into this field to represent literally to rep and to um, hopefully help and, um, and be there for as many Latinos and overall people, but, you know, obviously I'm a big, you Latino community.
0: Yes, I love it. And as I said before, I think it's, it's so needed in our community, we are a big a majority of the population and there aren't enough of us um, even, you know, when when you realize, you know, like, have you ever tried to look for a Latino um, therapist, you know, and then males, and it, it's just, we're under populated, you know, um, and we, I think more Latinos need to get in this profession, um, because there's a lot of amazing Latinos that you know, need to be representing our community. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's always nice to hear, you know, these success stories and nice to hear, you know, of, of especially first generation Latinos getting educated and, you know, breaking barriers and breaking cycles. And, you know, even admitting, like you said, because a lot of the community wants to keep it acá entre nos, and it's nice that you know to hear stories that we could relate to, stories that resonate um, with us because it's important, right? Um, mm-hmm. When we, I know when I first started my mental health journey, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of white therapists initially, and they were good therapists. Not to take anything away from them, but Um, it wasn't until I found somebody, um, actually my therapist isn't even Latina, she's black, but you know, she's of color. Mm -hmm. Um, she's a minority. And I think it was the first time that someone really, really connected with me just on a different level. Um, and it made therapy click a different way. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I actually, my first two therapists were also um, Caucasian and my second therapist was really good. I liked her. Um, She was young. I felt like some form of connection based off like our age, but I still have to admit I didn't feel they got my struggles. Or um, I remember one time that second therapist was like, well, um, you could have just let take care of your brothers and, you know, been honest with your mom that you just couldn't handle this responsibility. And I left that therapy session pissed off at her, to be honest, because I'm like, how could she tell me that? Like, how could Mm -hmm. she tell me that I could have just turned my brothers into like social services? Like, why would she tell me that? And I don't think she was trying to tell me like, oh, turn your brothers in and, you know, good riddance. But like, she didn't understand because that Value. whole like family and values, um, just maybe she weren't necessarily what she believed in. Um, and then actually my third therapist who I ended up finishing be with all the way was also um, African-American and she just got me and she came from um, poverty shared a little bit about herself with me which was nice for her to open up and um, not enough detail where she took over but just kind of like shared with me like I get and I get that you're the oldest and I get why you have this responsibilities like that and Um, I felt like she related to me I felt like she provided a space where I felt heard and understood on why I was with all the crap that I was dealing with because I have to admit the second therapist and even the first were like well you don't really have to deal with that you can just Mm -hmm. look for someone else to deal with it and I'm like "Hmm, that's not really how it works in the Latino community um once you have to deal with it you just have to deal with it so so, yeah, my, my third therapist was also like yours, um, African-American and she got me and uh, I loved her. So I ended up staying with her until I finished.
0: Yeah, that's why representation really matters. Um, you know, I, I think it's different when, you know, you could read about it. You could be culturally competent. Um But I think it's different when they experience it for themselves and they know it for themselves. And that's also a big reason why I'm like, no, I I don't think I'm going back for my my PhD girl. I'm going to have enough with my license, Um, (laughs) but I could still do a lot, you know, with the license and have my own practice um, and represent where it matters, you know, to women of color. Um, So... Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for not giving up. And thank you for showing up in a big way, Um, not just for your family, but uh, for our community and continuing to do the things that you do um, in our community. So, Kelsey, what are some big things you're working on? What are some plans that we um, could look forward to that you have?
1: Well, um, as you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So sometimes it feels like we're all at this like pause stop you can't really move kind of thing um but i i do want to do a lot more um events i'd like to um i like to show up i guess you could say and hopefully be invited to like speak um definitely in the topics that i know and um, mental health and like the populations that i work with um
0: which are what? I, Which are what? What if our audience is looking for speakers? What are your topics? Yes, yes.
1: Um, so I, uh, as you all know, I'm a psychotherapist. I work with couples um, and individuals, as young as the age of ten. Um, my specialty, I guess you could say, is all mental health issues. But I see a lot of uh, depression, anxiety, mood disorders. Um, so mood disorders such as bipolar one and two. Um, which is the most that I see, but I do sometimes also face um, individuals uh, struggling with schizophrenia. Um, Before I went into the company that I'm working for, um, which is more of a private practice setting, I was actually at an inpatient facility. So I decided to stick seeing some of the um, mental people with dealing with mental health issues um, with more severe mental health issues so bipolar schizophrenia any form of mood disorder um, personality disorders and things like that it just intrigues me and I feel um, I feel like I'm meant to uh, work with those people I, I don't know as I any of you know but it's not an easy population to work with and a lot of mental health providers especially in private practice or in settings like that rather just not sometimes so they rather see more of like the basic anxiety or depression or behavioral issues with teens and stuff like that but um so I see a little bit of everything and I also work with couples um as well as families you learn to discover really quickly that if you're doing individual therapy for anyone under the age of 18, chances are you're going to have to provide family therapy as well, or the parents or siblings into sessions. So, um, yeah, that's, I'm, I don't work with just one, uh, population or group of people dealing with one thing. I actually find that kind of boring. (laughs) Um, so I provide services for everyone, but, um, My specialties are the anxiety, depression, personality disorders, and like the major mental health issues like bipolar and other mood disorders. So
0: nice. So if any of of y'all are looking for someone to speak on those topics, there you go. So where can they find you?
1: Um, You guys can find me on Instagram at kbeautifulmind. Double underscore, that's my writer's page, which is now slowly becoming my profession slash career page. And um you could also reach to me at Acantrenos double underscore. That's the podcast Instagram. I'm also with both names on Facebook and Twitter, but I don't really, I'm not really too active on Twitter, to be completely honest. Um, Instagram is probably your best bet. Um, but yeah, I'm always looking for other mental health workers um, to be on my podcast or anyone Ready to tell their story for the Tell My Story segment, um, and always looking to collaborate in any way that we can continue to educate and you know be allies for our community and put some good content and material out there. Um, I also, I'm going to publish a second book, hey. hopefully soon and eventually. Um, I'm just looking for an artist. So if there are any artists out there that do um, Latinx kind of cultural art, um, it's a book for women, um, poetry and quotes for women. I've written every single one of them. I'm just looking for a little bit of art to put in there so it's not too bland. So that's why I haven't published one or put it out there. But yeah, that's a little bit about a wor- what I'm working with. Yeah. Um, also, my doctorate, hopefully starting 2021, if it all works out. And then eventually I'd like to open up my own practice, but yeah, con su tiempo, that'll come, you know?
0: Yes. Well, sounds like you have a lot of amazing things going on and you've accomplished so much, girl. So, congrats. What are some words of encouragement that you want to leave the listeners with?
1: So, some words of encouragement that I want to leave our listeners with would be: um, Don't give up. Um, If you're aspiring to do something, if your soul and heart tells you that that's what you're to do on this earth. Um, if it is that we only have one life, cause I know some of us believe in reincarnation, but if it is that we only have one life, um, it's your life, you know, and life is short. Uh, we're not here forever. Who knows when we're going to go, but, um, it's definitely, uh, you deserve, you should have the right to, and deserve to be happy and to be doing what you love. Um, and that's my biggest, 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 I guess you could say advice because, um, if it's anything I learned from all the struggles I've had is that I want to know that I'm happy every day and I'm enjoying what I do. And there is days where work is hard and it gets tough, but um, I can truly genuinely say that I love what I do and I'm doing what I was meant to on this earth. So that's what I got for (laughs) y'all.
0: Nice, I love it. Well, thanks again for joining Kelsey and remember everyone to continue being your own definition of both. Until next
1: time.